Hello, and welcome back to the Davis Fitness Method Podcast. You know it is. It's your boy, Stephen Davis. And this time, we're talking about the deltoid. And the deltoids are basically located at the the side of what you would normally call your shoulder. So some people will like grab the, the top nearest their neck. That's actually your trap. So if you go directly next to the uh, the side of your arm, the, the most, the top side, that's your delt. And um, essentially, its primary job is to lift your arm up from your side, which is known as abduction. So it abducts the shoulder, and it also um, flexes the shoulder, so it helps the pec, um, bringing the arm in, lifting up, um, and then also kind of extending the arm back, internally rotating it, externally rotating it. Works alongside the rotator cuff. But let's get into some of the geeky stuff real quick which is that there are three parts, three, um, they're not different muscles, but they're kind of regions of the delt. So we have our anterior, our lateral, and our posterior delt. The anterior, um, it, it originates on the most anterior, which is the most front side border and upper surface of the lateral third of the clavicle. So it's like, if you go trace your collarbone out, it's like that last third of the collarbone. And uh, its job is to flex and medially rotate the uh, the arm, your humerus. And then the lateral is what is like the largest and the strongest because uh, it's multi-pennate, which basically means that it has a degree of angles that would give it better leverage for movement and its origin is on the superior surface of the acromion process of the scapula and I will get I you'll notice that I haven't said their insertion because they all share one so I'll get to that one after I finish the posterior but um, and the laterals job is to abduct the arm uh, mostly it's involved in other movements but that's primarily what would separate it from the other ones. Uh, and then posterior, its uh, origin is on the lower lip of the posterior border of the spine of the scapula. So uh, think of your shoulder blade, and it's kind of like the lower border of that spine. So if you went to reach for your shoulder blade, you kind of came over the top, and you find the, the bony ridge that's kind of in the middle of your shoulder blade. It's the uh, that border of the spine, the lower lip of that. Um, and then they all insert on the deltoid tuberosity, which is in the middle um, of the shaft of the humerus. So they all kind of meet there. They all kind of converge in on that point. Um, the the shoulder basically, the deltoid basically's job is to make sure that the uh, the shoulder does not get dislocated. Uh, that's that's its huge function. Uh, it works with your rotator cuff muscles to stabilize the shoulder joint. Um, like we said, its job, uh, the abductor of the shoulder, is only possible when it's already abducted beyond like 15 degrees. And a lot of that is linked with the rotator cuff. So that first 15 degrees is going to come from the rotator cuff. Beyond that, the delt does a, a majority of the heavy lifting. So let's get into how we're going to train it, um, what some of the 
best practices are. We can talk about rep ranges and stuff too. But let's let's first think about uh, what you mostly want to do when you're training the dough. So pressing variations are going to be the biggest um, bang for your buck when it comes to deltoids. So if I'm uh, pushing at an, an angle that's likely greater than like a 45 degree incline. So like if we're doing chest, right, your delts are involved there, um, but the chest is going to be or is going to have better leverage for performing that exercise. The more and more inclined we get, the more the, f- the flexed your shoulder is, the closer your arm is to pointing directly overhead towards the ceiling, the more your delta is going to be involved. So um, basically anything, and this would be based on your sternal angle too, which would give you a certain leverage. We can get into all that at some point. I don't think today's the podcast for that. But um, for most people, once we're above this 45 degree angle, the more we're going to use that uh, anterior portion of that delt. Um, And then, uh, so we've got pressing. Then when we get into rowing variations, uh, something that's got our arm slightly abducted, but at likely a 45 degree angle, so that I'm not going into my mid trap for leverage and my rhomboids, but um, so that I can get that arm to extend a little further back. That's when I'm going to get that rear delt a bit more. So finding positions where we're, we've got a slightly abducted shoulder and we can go more in line with that angle that that rear delt creates. Those two, if you did those two movements, you're going to get a lot of the shoulder. And then beyond that, it's going to be how can I do the function of that lateral delt, which is going to be that lateral raise. And so an upright row may be deemed a compound exercise because you're getting some of the bicep involved, um, but it does abduct the shoulder because you're you're trying to grab something and you're trying to literally lift your arms up away from your sides. That's going to get that lateral delt too. So if you had to do three compound movements, I'd do a press, an upright row, and then a, a, a posterior row. So basically just any like upper back type row with a slightly less abducted shoulder position. So it'd be slightly more adducted. Basically your arms would be a little closer to your side and not as high up. So you're not trying to air out your armpits totally. That Those three would be the best for kind of just like boom, 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 get the job done. Now, in terms of how we can go about, once, once we've trained those positions, we basically want to vary the resistance profile laterally of the shoulder. So resistance profile versus like a strength curve is basically like when the weight comes on in the movement. So we're not necessarily going to get the shoulder in different positions like with the bicep. With the bicep, we have varying degrees of uh, how far my arm is up and how far it is back. With the shoulder, we're not necessarily going to vary as much of those positions so much as when the loads become heavy, which we can do with cables and dumbbells and stuff. So um, once we've done our pressing and our rowing, we kind of want to focus more on when the loads are heaviest. So um, for our lateral raises. So um, I'm going to say heavy focus on lateral raising if you want that shoulder to grow. Now, um, lots of people, they do dumbbell lateral raises. Dumbbells are great, um, but they mostly live in the shortened end range, which is basically, um, they're not going to be heavy until we reach the top. 
So if I have a dumbbell and I'm reaching my arm out to my side, once it gets to about 90 degrees relative to my torso, that's when it has the most leverage over my shoulder, which would be technically where I'm the weakest for my delt. So it's good because it would help us to improve function or stability of that shoulder and our ability to control that shoulder, but it's it's not going to be best matched for growth because we want something that would be better paired to like a mid-range. So most machine lateral raises that are like cable or like selectorized, like one of those ones where you sit down, you put the pin in, and um, then you just kind of push your arms up against the sides of the machine. Those are going to be great for helping you build up your lateral delt because it has a... Um, it has an accommodating resistance profile. So basically, it would be um, easier at the bottom, it would get harder in the middle, and it would get easier as you got towards the top, which is perfect. It's because what you want, um, because it best matches the strength profile of the deltoid itself. So I would say you want a shortened end range, um, which I would say would be better suited with a cable. So if you got a cable and um, you were to set it all the way to the bottom and then face the cable so that your arm, when it was at 90 degrees, would be directly, pulled, the, the cable would pull straight down um, from your hand. So you're facing the cable. Um, a lot of the times when people do lateral races, you're facing away so the cable comes across your body. That would not be happening this time because you're facing the cable. The cable's running straight down from your hand into the cable um, so that you'd be able to pull straight up. It's still a lateral raise, but it wouldn't become difficult until it got to the top. But you had enough strength to pull it through those other um, weaker positions or stronger positions with less load. But you get the added benefit of keeping your shoulders stable. So I think that that's one way that I would go about training the shoulder or that lateral delt first. And then once we get good in that position, moving into more um, middle and lengthened end ranges. So for a, a mid-range lateral delt, um, if you're not already using the machine that I was talking about or you don't have access to one, a mid-range lateral raise is, is perfectly fine too and is a good exercise. What would, you would do is also keep the cable set totally to the bottom and you turn away uh, and then you're going to reach out to your side. You're not going like, to grab onto the cable. You're not going to lean or anything. You're going to stay totally upright. And you're going to reach that arm at about like a, it, it depends. It's relative to your, your rib cage shape. But I'd say for most people, we're probably reaching off at about a 45 degree angle, 60 degree angle, some, somewhere in there. Um, the more round your rib cage is, uh, the, the more forward you might reach because we're just trying to get the best match with the, the scapula has a convexity to it. It has a roundness to it. And the rib cage has a roundness to it. You want them to match. If your shoulder is too far back, you're actually going to be in a more extended position of the shoulder, which is going to um, not provide the greatest amount of leverage for the delt, uh, and it won't be as stable in that position. So you want to be reaching slightly forward. Whereas if you are uh, a slightly more wide, your your rib cage is more wide and more flat. Uh, you you would want that arm a bit more back, just so you could get some of that contact between the scapula and the rib cage. Um, and then from there, going into the length and end range. So we know that the shoulder is 
it doesn't necessarily lift the arm up from the side for that first 15 degrees like we just discussed. So what we want to end up doing is setting the cable so that it's high enough that it's at like wrist height when our arm is like 20 degrees from our side. So if I set the cable, it's going to be higher than that bottom position, but probably somewhere at just above or, or just below our kneecap. So for most people, you wouldn't want it so that it's coming directly out from your wrist when your wrist is at your side. You want to drop it just a little lower than that. So when you reach your arm out about 15 degrees, that's when the tension starts to come on. And that's where it would be hard because it's uh, hardest in the length and end range and then gets easier as you go up. So kind of mixing up or varying those positions would be good for helping to maximize the lateral delt. And so kind of under a special special consideration, I would say that you want to make sure that you are training the delts kind of in a way where you are like based on their orientation. So like the front delt, you probably want to train with more front oriented exercises and the rear delt, you want to train with more like back exercises. So like I would probably train my rear delt on an upper back day. And I probably train my front delt on a chest or a push day. Um, and then I would just train the lateral delt every time I train the other ones. Um, but to varying degrees or repetitions. So like it would, you would be able to do it more frequently, um, being that there are more positions that we're trying to vary through versus just having one deltoid day, just because there's going to be so many things that cross over that joint and you don't want to accumulate so much fatigue that you're just totally smoking the delt all the time and you end up with issues there. So, um, as it pertains to rep ranges, so we've talked about like when something is in the short range or in the length and end range, we want higher repetitions. And when something is in the mid range, generally we're going to want things that are heavier. Now this could, we could lean one way or another based on like fiber types. So this is going to be something that feels like a, a bit new to this podcast, but we have fast twitch, slow twitch, and we have ones that are kind of like mixed um, fiber types or ones that would adopt to the activity. And so there are studies that have reported up to 60% of the shoulder would be type two, which would be considered fast twitch, which means that this muscle likely responds to things that are heavier or faster. There are some that show up to like a 50-50 mix of slow and fast twitch fibers, which means that we should include both. And so I'll include um, some of the studies in the show notes so that you guys can check them out, some of the, P, uh, the PMIDs, um, so that you can kind of dive into it for yourself. But some of the studies like include youth participants identified that older athletes tended to possess a higher proportion of the type 2 fiber types than their younger counterparts. And this just might mean that they, because they were trained in, in a specific sport, that they're just more well adapted to that sport. So showing that it might just be like for sprinters and jumpers and people who were moving explosively with their shoulders. So like when you're running, you're, you can't run fast with your arms at your side. You have to swing your arms fast too. And it's just showing that they might have adapted to that position. So I would say we want to probably lean towards some things that are 
heavier or faster and then have some portion of things that are going to be a little bit slower um, and um, more endurance oriented. And so you always, for all muscles, you want to have the, the component strength of like your scapula and your, your traps and stuff like that to help keep things in good position. So you need the endurance there and then move on to having the requisite um, strength, speed available to access the full potential of your deltoid. If you want superhero delts, you're going to have to make sure that your shoulders are stable and then you're able to move load, right? Like that's going to do it. Now for rest periods, that's going to be based on the rep ranges that you're using. So we've talked about this before, but if you're doing something with higher rep ranges, you probably need less rest. Um, I would say like 20 plus repetitions, you probably need, you know, somewhere between 30 and 45 seconds. Something that's uh, heavier, you could, depending on how heavy you went, you probably need somewhere between 90 seconds to two minutes. Now, if it was super heavy, uh, like a, a, a two or a one rep max shoulder press for some reason, uh, you're probably going to need like up, you know, five minutes or so, three to five minutes. Um, and so when we talked about frequency of training, obviously like if we can train our pushing movements are, uh, you know, twice a week and our rowing movements twice a week, and, uh, then we got laterals three times a week. How would you go about doing that? So if you had a push, if you had a push day, a pull day and an upper day, you'd be able to get your shoulders three times, right? So you've got the more anterior fibers of the delt twice on the push day and the upper body day. And then you've got them on the pull day and the upper body day, right? Like the rear delt you've got on the, uh, pull, the pull day and the upper body day. And then you'd have the lateral on all three. And if you wanted to, on those three days, you could separate. Okay, so on the upper day, I'm going to do more of the shortened position for the laterals. And then on the whole day, I do more of the lengthened. And then on the upper on the upper day, you do more of the mid-range. So like that machine that we talked about. That would be a great way to kind of organize that. It's not the only way to organize that. But it's a great way to get started. Um, see what you like and um, how you're responding to training. For some people, that could be too much given however many exercises there are, so um, we'd have to take into account your training age. The younger training age you have, the less you actually need from a training stamp, like from a stimulus standpoint to actually grow, whereas the more well-trained you are, you might need a greater stimulus, um, but it's also determined by the quality of the stimulus. So like how good are you at actually putting tension on the muscle? Early on, you might suck at putting tension on the muscle, but you also don't need that much stimulus, so it doesn't really matter. When we're in a more intermediate stage, we might still be learning to accumulate some of those skills, so we're also accumulating volume, so we have to do more in order for those delts to grow. And then you might get really good at doing it, and so all of the stimulus that you were once accumulating from greater amounts of volume, you accumulate with less, so um, it might not take as much work as you become better in all those positions. Now, I want to get into some of the details of, of movement when it comes to the shoulders. So um, because the shoulder works in tandem with the scap to kind of create shoulder flexion and abduction, so any upward rotation of the shoulder, so anytime you try to move your arm up, whether it's from your side or straight up, 
the scap's going to move with it to some degree. Um, and a lot of that starts. So first, first we know like that first 15 degrees is coming from the rotator. And then, then it's dealt. And then around 60 degrees, that's when the scap starts moving, right? So we know that because the scap is involved in shoulder exercises, that other muscles that are attached to the scap can create movement at the scapula. What does that mean for the delt? So if anything that I do with my shoulder or wanting to move my shoulder up could prospectively involve my traps or my levator scap, that's something I'm going to want to watch out for. So if I think I'm lateral raising my arm, but I only move my arm up 45 degrees and then I start to shrug my shoulder or also because the scap is, it shares a joint, the scapula thoracic joint with the rib cage. If I move the rib cage, I can create what looks like my arm going up. So if I shrug my shoulder and lift my sternum, my shoulder looks like it's going up in space when in reality, I might not have got a lot of tension on my delt. Versus if I keep my rib cage in one spot and I keep my scap down and actually able to move through that range instead of shrugging and lifting my chest, that's going to make a huge difference on how much tension goes directly to my delt. So that's one thing we're definitely going to want to pay attention to when we're training our delts, especially in that, I mean, it's going to matter in all, all of those positions, right? Uh, but the next thing is that a lot of shoulder injuries normally occur when there's kind of this breaking up of the movement uh, of the shoulder mechanics. So like when the, the humerus and the scap are kind of moving or in opposite directions. Um, so for example, like a lot of people who are doing bench press, and I get that this isn't a chest podcast, but I'd be remiss to not mention the shoulder on a bench press because that's when a lot of people notice pain in their shoulder. But let's say I'm doing my bench press. If I have if I have scapulas that are going forward, but elbows that are going backward, I'm probably going to get this anterior shoulder pain, right? That's because that's not how the shoulder is designed to move. The scap isn't supposed to go forward while the shoulder goes backward because it would just put lots of tension on that front side uh, labrum of, of the shoulder. So making sure that we actually create a position that allows for that humerus to go back and for those scaps to go back. So no, for, for most people, that's going to be, you want to create this kind of like 45 degrees of abduction, which creates the appropriate space for that shoulder to travel backward. Because otherwise, if my arm is up too high, I literally can't get that shoulder to go back without inappropriate movement at the scapula because it's going to try to find its way around to make that happen. It's not going to make it happen in a way that's going to feel comfy, but it'll, make, it'll happen in a, a way that that arm doesn't pop off because <laughs> that's what the shoulder does. But um, just knowing that we have to create the position so that the scapula can wrap around the rib cage and that that humerus can extend back that your humerus is your upper arm that whole your your bicep tricep region um also understanding that your shoulder and scapula your deltoid and your scapula 
are inextricably linked. I can say it. I can say it. Uh, (laughs) All right. So the, the main thing there is understanding that I need to be able to create stability at my scapula, which means that I need to be able to keep it from elevating when I'm so like, like we, we talked about with the trap having attachments, there are other muscles that help to stabilize. So your lower trap helps to stabilize your, your lats can help to stabilize your scap, your, um, serratus, um, is a huge stabilizer of your scap, your rotator cuffs stabilize the shoulder. So all of those things have components into how well you'll be able to develop your deltoid. If we don't have any of, like, if we don't have access to our rotator, if we can't move our rib cage well, if, because the scap sits on the rib cage, if we can't uh, dissociate movement from our scap and our trap, and we can't um, essentially stabilize any of those positions we're going to have problems with growing our delts because we're going to have problems with being able to put tension on them so what do we do well we want to make sure that we we're actually training in ranges where that muscle is getting tension on it um so like if we're noticing like uh, a lot of my you know pressing feels tricep heavy um, then we're going to want to, we're going to want, we're going to want to adjust things so that the delt can actually put tension on it. So like the moment arm where your, uh, wrist, how close your wrist is to your shoulder in this case would be like your, your moment arm, the closer your wrist is to your shoulder, the more your tricep can extend the elbow. And that's going to look like it does most of the work in shoulder flexion, but it's not, it's just extending the elbow up. Whereas the further my wrist is out. So like, think like if you were to do a front raise, like if you took a dumbbell and you just raise it straight up, the further that wrist is out, the more shoulder has to do the work. We want some combination of the two of them. So like that pressing is kind of this midway point between a front raise and basically a skull crusher, like that tricep just extending. So getting it into a position where it actually has some amount of tension being applied just from how we're setting up the movement. And then also making sure that we're not using the other muscles to create those, those movements. So like that shrugging, that, um, that arching of the back, like that arching of the back is just going to try to take a shoulder exercise and make it more of a chest exercise. Any pressing that I'm doing, if I lift my chest up more, it becomes a more declined angle, which makes it more chest. So like we said, anything above 45 degrees is going to look like a shoulder press. But if your sternum is parallel to the ceiling, then it's a chest exercise. It doesn't matter what angle the bench is. If the, if the bench is at a 45 degree, but your chest is at a 90 relative to the ceiling, then it's a chest exercise. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So we need to make sure that when we are training to try to get our delts developed, that we actually make sure that our sternum matches the angle that we're trying to press at. 
that's how you get your delts to, to grow. Now, if you're having a hard time not shrugging your shoulders, then we need to probably look into what is the reason for that. So is it is it an inability to, to control the shoulder through uh, depression? So actually being able to initiate a press without those scaps coming straight up. So like getting more of that lower trap strength. We can go through a podcast on lower traps and maybe we will at some point, likely. Um, is it uh, because uh, we can't maintain external rotation? So is it like, is it something at the rotator cuff? Um, because if every time I go to press, my elbows go back and my hands drop into internal rotation, well, then maybe we need to look at, well, how do I get more of the rotator cuff involved so that we can better leverage these deltoids, then move to lower trap, then move to serratus? That's what we're going to need to fix in order to get that delt functioning and firing and then growing. So, and here's the thing is if you get better at your ability to grow the deltoid, just about everything else grows too. So if you were kind of like wondering why you had some of these other legging uh, muscle groups, like, oh, my upper chest doesn't really develop or, oh, my lats don't really develop. I only got this one section of my lats. So like lots of guys are good at developing their lower pecs and kind of like upper back, um, but not their lower their lower lat or what would be like the outer lat um, and their upper pecs, uh, it probably would have something to do. It would be an indicator that the shoulder's probably not functioning properly or you're not putting tension on the shoulders properly. Um, and then when you do that, all of those things develop. So um, if you want super, uh, if you want a superhero physique, you have to start with superhero shoulders. We can probably just stop there, but. Um, that's, I think that's going to be the biggest things that I would, I would, so like with the other, let, let me double back with other muscle groups, we're trying to get them in positions where they're lengthened and, and shortened and they're stretched and all that stuff. But like I said, with the deltoid, we just want to focus on resistance profiles, uh, instead of strength profiles. So we're focusing more on when the weight gets heaviest, not what position your shoulder is in when you're training it. Um, so no need to hang off benches weird, invert yourself upside down, do any sort of weird exercise. Um, anything that you do um, likely involving your arm is in some way um, going to involve the shoulder to some degree, whether it's through stability. So if you wanted to improve the functional aspects of your shoulder, carry heavy things, um, carrying things, would train your delt because your delt makes sure that that arm doesn't pop off the body. So if we're doing heavy carries, you're going to train your delt. Now, if you're like, well, which 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 fiber in my delt? The whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing wants to make sure that your shoulders not pop off. What day does that go on? It doesn't matter. Carry some heavy shit, right? One of these days, carry some heavy shit. Or two of those days, carry some heavy shit. If you want to improve how the shoulder functions, that would be it. Um, Walking on your hands just because your shoulders are similar to glutes doesn't mean that uh, it's going to make your shoulders better at doing what they do in a normal day to day. So, yeah, um, being able to do some handstand stuff um, is cool, um, but it, it it would be more skill oriented versus directly 
functionally oriented, like in terms of how exactly the shoulder works. Um, I think something, I think it's a handstand stuff is maybe a worthwhile pursuit um, in the event that you are doing some sort of gymnastics or calisthenics or something like that. But in terms of maximum shoulder development, you don't necessarily ever need to get there in order to um, fully develop your deltoids. So that is it for this one, you guys. If you have questions, let me know. Um, I'm happy to dive into these um, specifically or any questions that you have. If you like the podcast, be sure to like the podcast. Um, if you could leave us a review, that would be amazing. It helps us to grow. Um, we're not running any ads or anything like that. So if our growth is is really based on you, the listener, so anything you can do to help us would be greatly appreciated if it's provided any value to you. And uh, if you have any questions for the Q&As, um, you can send them to me at steven at davisfitnessmethod.com. Any questions that you have, we basically want to be able to dive in and um, actually take some practical, uh, take some real world situations and um, let you know how we would coach you there. So whatever you have, shoot them to me and I'll catch you on the next one.